God is a good God. Amen. Amen. We serve the most high God of the universe, the creator of all things. And for those of you, and not in this room, but for those of you who think that you are God, you're not. Just letting you know. Our God is an amazing God. So loving. You know, everybody around here at this time, whether you're a a Bible-believing Christian or not, everyone is talking about Easter. And, you know, we have the privilege of living in the reality of what he did for us every single day of the year. You know, today being the Thursday before the third day which he rose again was the day that he was crucified. He did that for us. He did that, let's get specific, for you. He knew you before you were created, before the world was formed. Check that out. Don't think you're insignificant. God doesn't make mistakes. I want to talk a couple of things tonight. It's not going to be a long message, I don't think. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see. You know what it means when I take a staple out of the paper? Nothing. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. It just means I can move around freely in my notes because I get a feeling that's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, just listen to this word for a minute and let it sink in. Tranquility. Even this, Pastor Paul and I were talking the other night and, and uh, like even just saying the word tranquility. It's like almost a relaxing word when you say it. We live in a world that is anything but tranquil. It's tumultuous. It's tempestuous, but it's not generally tranquil. But what is tranquility? We're going to get to some scripture here in a minute. Have no fear. But the, um, the definition of tranquility is the quality or state of being tranquil. Well, thanks for that great revelation. And that's right out of the dictionary. It's like, okay, so now what do you have to do? You have to back up a little bit and go find out what tranquil is, right? Free from agitation of mind or spirit. Tranquil self-assurance. Free from the disturbance or tumulia, tranquil scene, unvarying in aspect, steady and stable. See, we serve a God that will lead us by still waters. So, I want you to bask in the tranquility. We're going to talk about tranquility. We're going to talk a little bit about peace. We're going to talk a little bit about rest. We stand in the midst of a real world with flesh and blood people that are, well, let's call it what it is, messed up. 
Some are, some are literally scared to death. Some are stressed to the max. High blood pressure, heart issues, heart conditions, heart attacks, happening way too often, way too young. And just remember that but by the grace of God, it could happen to anybody. We are but one heartbeat away from meeting our maker. But we don't have to live in stress. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in animosity. So let's get to the word. Enough of me. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And we are going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read a couple of fairly beefy chunks of Scripture tonight. So there won't be a lot of them, but there'll be some beefy ones. So Romans 5, chapter 1. And as you have probably already gathered, I usually use the New Living, so that is what I'm reading from. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So let's start right, right, right there for a minute. Let's capitalize on this. We have peace with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, rejoice too <laughs> when we run into, not if we run into, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he gave us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So for everyone in this room, it happened a long time ago. But he did it just the right time. The day you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior was just the right time. That's the day that he died for you. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. 
We haven't sung that song in a while, but we used to sing a song, Friends of God. Think about it for a minute. You know, it does not, it does not matter what we're up against. We can rejoice. There is a very present weight. We don't have to bear that weight. Jesus tells us that his burden is light and that his yoke is easy. It's not ours to carry. So, given what we've all experienced in the last couple of years, what's going on all around us, everybody's got a, we've talked about this before, everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got a point of view, and whatever, right? But one thing we all know is that in one form or another, we all gone through it. We didn't have it, we got it, Praise God, we're soon going to be out of it. But no matter what, Jesus, is, his rock was not rolled. It is moved. The only rock that rolled was the rock that kept him in the tomb because he rose again. It's not there anymore. The tomb is empty. I'm sure we're going to hear more about that over the course of the weekend. But there's a common phrase that we've often heard. Some may have even used it, and I used it myself. And, and some, something happened the other day, and I'm not quite sure as I was kind of meditating and pondering on, on the message I was going to bring. And it came up to me, and it said, we're all in the same boat. And I thought, it just I was quickened in my spirit, and, and it's like, no, no, we're not. There may be some in the same boat. But your boat ain't big enough to all be in it, right? What would be actually more accurate or a greater truth would be that we all weather the same storm. You see, because a storm can happen, but how it happens to you will depend on a number of things. Where are you in the midst of that storm? How well prepared are you? for the storm. See, if you're at the very edge of that storm, you know, Metro is a perfect example. You know, Eastern Passage, Burnside, Sackville, Mount Uniac, Windsor. That storm can come right through. In, in Eastern Passage, it could be raining and fog. Burnside could be almost clear. Sackville starting to see a little bit of kind of transition between rain and snow. Mount Uniac's got snow. Windsor's got lots of snow. The valley's got nothing. The sun's shining. It's 12 degrees. It's like... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> see, and above the storm, you know what? Above the storm, the sun is always shining. See, if you're, under, if you're in the storm, are you in a shelter? Because if you're in your house, and your house is well built, that storm can come and go just like the house we read in the, in the parable where you have the house on the rock or the house on the sand. Right? We know the one on the rock will stand. But I also think of the old you know, kid story about the three pigs. You know, where there's a wolf outside who's going to huff and puff and try to blow our house down, right? 
Are you made of straw? Are you made of wood? Are you made of brick? The better built the house, the more it withstands. You know, we hear, praise God, we don't have it around here, but, you know, we know people or know of people that do experience it where, where they have, have uh, you know, tornadoes and, and, uh, and you know, hurricanes a greater, greater amount of time than we do. And a tornado can go right through a community and tear up a strip, right, of buildings and, you know, create all kind of carnage. But 20 feet away, it doesn't even look like the grass was ruffled. So where are you in the storm? How are we positioned? Because you can stand, you know, I wouldn't recommend it in a storm, but you can stand in front of a glass window and you can look out and you can see that wind huffing and puffing and you can see that horizontal rain. You can see the leaves battering up against the building and yet you're inside, you're warm, you're dry, not feeling a breath of air. See, that is a picture of how we are, or at least how we should be in everything that's going on around us. We're not oblivious to it because we can see it going on, but we don't have to be affected by it. If we're properly positioned and we're properly prepared, we're well built on a strong foundation See where we're going with this? See, that will set you up that you can be in peace in the midst of that storm. You can be sitting, you know, at home, quietly meditating the Word, listening to the Word, watching something, right? And be in tranquility, be in peace. Even though things are flapping and blowing, and branches are breaking, and shingles are flying, and sidings peeling off. <laughs> Been there, done that, by the way. <laughs> her, her, Hurricane Dorian and Hurricane Juan, you know, we've, we've been hit before. But you know what? We were unscathed. Praise the Lord. In the church, we often especially in perhaps more inclined to hear it in, in the word of faith circles to some degree, you know, we're, we're, we're walking somewhere between amen and there it is. <laughs> but that's a step up from what most of those around us and even some amongst us go through. And they're stuck between if only and what if. If only is a, is, a, is a phrase full of regret. If only I had done this. If only that had not happened. If only I wasn't treated that way. If only I grew up on the right side of the tracks. If only I grew up on the other side of the tracks. If only I had a green car instead of the blue car, then that never would have happened. Sometimes it's stupid stuff. But we live in that if only if only I hadn't been sick. If only I hadn't missed that job opportunity. If only I'd won the lottery. If only, if only, if only. But what's that doing? 
The whole time we're sitting in there, we're not thinking about what's happening right now. And the same thing holds true when it's when when clinging to the other side, you know, two miles a road, two miles a ditch for every mile of road, right? On one side there's the what if. And the only is if only. I did that backwards. It's one side if only, the other is what if. So let's go to the other ditch for a minute. What if? Well, what if they say this? Or what if I don't get paid? Or what if I get sick? Or what if I get into an accident? Or what if somebody sells that building that I'm living in? What if? What if? Again, what's that doing? It's taking you out of the realm of right now. We know that the word says, now faith is. It's not a will be, is, now. Don't let what's going on or the fear of what could go on rob you of the joy that we have right now. We have peace. We have abundance. We might be learning to tap into it. You know, again, sometimes we're still stuck between that, amen, and there it is, hallelujah. But if we believe, we truly believe, our God loves us so much, he does not want to see his children begging for bread. We don't have to beg for healing. We don't have to beg forgiveness. The work has been done. We can walk into and enter into tranquility. We know that most of the time when you're, when you're thinking especially about stuff that's going to happen or could happen or might happen, you know, we, we, we all know people right now that, that are, that are um, you know, scared to leave their houses, right? Because the vid, right? They don't want to get sick or they don't want to spread it. Whatever the reason is, they're not doing it. They're not doing it just to be antisocial. They're living in a fear. And they might not even recognize that's what it is because the enemy is subtle. He will have us convinced if he could. The word says that it would deceive even the elect if it were possible, right? And sometimes it's possible. You know, our guard gets dropped, our defenses get weakened. You know, when you've been holding something up for a while, what happens? It, 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 start, it starts to drop. It gets to a point where you can't carry it. Well, guess what? You're not supposed to. <laughs> We're not supposed to carry it. Proverbs 12.25. Let's turn there for a sec. Proverbs 12.25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Are you going to get an encouraging word from the news? Not lately. Let's, uh, let's go to Luke 12, 25 and 26. Luke 12, verse 25. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Short answer, no. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? 
Yet how often do we spend our time doing it? Too much. Any, uh, let, 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 I heard it. Any time you spend worrying is too much. Matthew 631. 631. 631. <laughs> so, so don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See again, fretting about what may or may not ha- may or may not happen this afternoon or what may or may happen overnight or what may or may not happen tomorrow is robbing us of the moment it's robbing us of the joy and the peace that we can have right now regret of the past weighs heavily on us and rubs us imagine imagine having a big bag of rocks I was going to do a, a, an actual illustrated sermon here, but I decided not to. But I'm going to do a visual version of it instead. So imagine a big bag of rocks. So it's heavy. It's awkward. Not so heavy you can't lift it, but it's heavy you don't want to carry it around too much. Right? You got that in your mind? All right. Now, it's up over your shoulder. Now, that's heavy. So you're, you're starting to twist a little but you're going to move forward. So you're moving forward. Well, that bag of rocks represents your past. It represents all the things that you regret, all the things that you wish had done differently, right? All the things you may have done wrong. Well, guess what? When we go to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us, right? We can drop that bag of rocks. Now I feel like I can jump and leap. The word says that we can run through a troop and leap over a wall. That's free. See, we need to live in the moment. We need to seize the day and make the most of it. Ephesians 5.15. Let's go there for a second. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. What's a fool, by the way? A fool is somebody that says there is no God. That's what, that's what the, the word says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have much to be thankful for. Even when something sucks, we have much to be thankful for. We might not have to thank for that thing, but we can be thankful. You're breathing. 
You're walking. You're seeing. You're hearing. We can taste, smell. We have so many things that we can be thankful for. We live in a country that's primarily free. We're not restricted other than, you know, but we can gather here together when there's no other social gathering limits, right? We're not persecuted as a church. Let's put it this way. It wasn't the, 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 the previous gathering restrictions were not restricted to the church or the communities of faith. It was broad. Everybody stay home, <laughs> right? There are countries where you still cannot gather. You mention the word Jesus out loud and you can have your head taken off. You don't announce where you're having church. You better let the Spirit lead you because they can't tell anybody because somebody will show up and, and you know, we, we, we have a hard time even computing that. But that happens around the world, even now. See, regret is a major obstacle that can feed many different conditions, including depression and health concerns of all kinds. One of the greatest tools we have to break the power over regret is forgiveness. Now, I'm going to take this a little bit different direction than you're probably expecting, so saddle up. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. It is a requirement. And again, buckle up. Mark 11. Let's go to Mark 11, 25. So Mark eleven twenty five says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge, a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now this is mentioned more than once in the Bible, but for the sake of time, we're only going to cover this one. So, when is it you're supposed to forgive anyone you may be holding a grudge against? When you are praying. And what are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> praying at all times. <laughs> so guess what? We shouldn't be holding the grudge, should we? Yeah. Okay. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Now this is, this is where we take a little bit different tilt. Yeah, I want you to grab a hold of this because it, it really, it really, really has been um, speaking to me a lot in the Spirit over months. Matthew 5.23 So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Okay, so pause there for a minute. Who's the person here? Right, You're bringing your sacrifice to the altar. And you remember that someone has something against you. Not you have something against someone else. Right? So you're already supposed to have forgiven them, right? Because you've been praying. And when you have a grudge against somebody, you forgive them, right? So that was the previous verse we just read. 
So this says, if you are presenting a sacrifice, and what do we do? We come here, we bring the sacrifice of praise, right? Our body is a living sacrifice brought onto God, right? So we're presenting a sacrifice. Let's go on to verse 24. And it says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So, if you're presenting a sacrifice, and you remember, you know what? I wasn't very nice to that person somewhere doing something. You know, maybe, maybe my answer was kind of curt. And you could tell by the way they reacted that they were hurt or offended or, you know, any one of a number of different things. There could have been a verbal exchange. <laughs> well, what are we supposed to do? As good, mature Christians, go make it right. That ought to, that ought to teach you to live right. <laughs> you won't have to do that too many times. Is this a high standard? You betcha. But this is what he's trying to teach us. To live in this life of tranquility, right? We got to drop all this crap off. It's got to go. We can't hold the grudge. We can't live in regret. We can't have any of this baggage that we don't want or need. It's going to hinder us. It's going to hold us back. And it's going to cause nothing but ill effects. And I didn't misspeak. Ill effects. Sicknesses and diseases are coming from what? All this stuff that's eating us up from the inside because of bitterness, because of regret, because of depression. I mean, my goodness, mental health, right? It is, it is, I have been dealing with mental health. I think we all do to a certain extent. And there's no shame in it. But it ought not to be. I mean, I, one of the things I remember most when I, first, when I first went to talk to somebody, because I realized I needed help. Like I was, and I, was, I, was felt, I felt guilty and ashamed because I was feeling that way. Well, you know what? I'm human. I have emotions, right? And sometimes things just get ahead of us. Sometimes we have chemical imbalances. Sometimes, you know what? We do what we're not supposed to do. And run, 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 run. And then when we think we're done running, we run, 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 run some more. And I'm not talking about physical running or jogging. I'm talking about running this crazy lunacy we call life in our culture right now, which is instant everything, nonstop go. We want it now. No, yesterday's not soon enough. That's not a pace that we're supposed to have to endure. And we, we get driven around and, and you're standing running on that treadmill and somebody keeps turning it up and turning it up. And say, let's just see how far we can go until it comes flying off the back of it. I went flying off the back of it. <laughs> it's like, woof, done. Wasn't pretty. Wasn't fun. Very educational. But I learned a lot. It's, a lot has to do with how we deal with what we deal with and what we carry and what we think we, me, to put the you, me in there, right? You have a me too. 
get you out of there. Let's all go to the eye doctor, get our eyes seen to, and look to him. Let him lead us. Let him guide us. Let his peace rule and reign in our lives. It's a lot, but I'll go through quick. Hebrews 4. We're going to, we're bringing it, we're, I'll, bring, I'll bring it in. I won't say we're done, but we'll bring it in. Hebrews 4, and we're going to read a good chunk of it. Remember I said there are some pretty chunky scriptures coming. So. But this is, I, I, I really believe that this is a message, you know, it doesn't matter how long we've been sitting in the church. And you've probably heard me say this, but, you know, going to church doesn't make you a good Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Or going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. You know, it, it is a lifestyle. It is, it is a, a walk. We have to walk. And we can't walk standing still. So Romans 4, verse 1. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So again, remember, I started with the word tranquility. Right? God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. So anybody right now that's dealing with stress and anxiety and depression, right, is in one way or another failing to experience God's peace. Now that's not a word of condemnation. We're just saying it's a landmark. It's a pinpoint. Where are we? If you're not walking in peace, it's available. So let's find out why. Is it the 50 pounds of baggage we're carrying? Or is it the fretting about tomorrow that we don't know yet? Right down that center line. For it's good news that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was written to them, but it did them no good, of course, referring to the Israelites, because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. That wasn't his best. That wasn't his intent. He created that place of rest, right? Even though the rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. So right from the very beginning of creation, there was rest. God rested. He's our example. So if he rested, then that means there's a rest for us too, right? In another passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Well, there's a reason for that. Verse 6, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Verse 8, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Who are you? All of you, even the, even the people on, on live stream and or, and or um, uh, YouTube and other, every other media stream. You may be hearing a message of the gospel for the first time. Today's your day. 
Don't let it pass. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But, you know what happens, the but, right? The but cancels everything else that was before it if you don't do. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail or fall which is what? Not entering the rest. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So there is grace to help us. There is forgiveness when we need it. Most of us need it a lot, and that's okay, because it's a gift that he has purchased for us. He has empowered us. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit dwells in us. You can convict us. You can correct us. You can teach us. You can lead us. You can guide us. You can empower us to do what in the natural is very difficult to do. And you have given us the gift of faith, which we can build upon by hearing the word, reading the word, and applying the word. Let us be nice to one another. Let us be good to one another. Let us be those examples and don't carry the baggage. And what you know what? Every day is a brand new day. And you don't have to wait until midnight for it to be a new day. If you recognize right now in the sound of my voice that the time has come that, that you blew it, that's okay. Confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. Ask him to help change your ways. Change your mind, the way you're thinking. Do what you need to do. And allow him to lead you and guide you. Today is the new day. This 24-hour period begins right now. Not necessarily at midnight. Or not at 6 a.m. when you wake up. Or 8 o'clock or 12 o'clock or whatever time it is. He wants you to be free. He wants us to walk in that tranquility. He wants us to walk in rest. And it's not him that's holding us back. We know the truth. Let's walk in it. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. I thank you that you are patient. That we still have lots to learn, but you're willing to teach us, lead us and guide us, nurture and care for us. And thank you for everything that you have provided for us. We thank you that as your word has gone forth tonight, that it would find good soil 
and bring forth much fruit. Let there not be any condemnation that rises up, but that there simply be a quickening and a conviction, a recognition that you are the way, that you are the answer. You are the truth. We thank you that bonds are being broken and chains are being dropped and that bag of rocks and the historical baggage are cast aside and the thoughts of the future are put aside, putting our cares in you, allowing to trust your word, your leading, your guidance. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.